Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers and a very happy Easter Sunday and a happy Passover to all that celebrate. Gain culinary intelligence right here and right now. And allow me to feed your insatiable appetite by staying tuned for the next hour. We are savoring the flavor and inspiring extraordinary dishes by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Every weekend, you'll hear from chefs and artisan food makers, farmers, authors, experts, and tastemakers on this show who are passionate about everything delicious. We talk about living the best life, health, wellness, wine, and cocktails. I dish on tech trends and how to feed your soul. And I'm always serving up seconds, by the way, at chefjamie.com. If there are shows that you might have missed, you'll find my podcast on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. And I hope that you will become a friend on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And of course, as all of us around the world face stay-at-home orders because of COVID-19, I hope that you are enjoying the family meal, one of the precious few good things that is happening. There is a joy in eating together, and this show is meant to inspire you. If you're looking for ingredient inspiration or you need a substitution, I am here at the other end of your computer. So please email me anytime if you'd like to dish Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. I am doing live Facebook sessions every Monday at 4 p.m. And I'm live on Instagram taking your cooking questions every Friday at 12 noon. And just in the process of uh, working on building a live cooking show for you to cook along with me or me to cook along with you uh, from my home kitchen. So stay tuned for news on that. But let's get to the culinary conversation for the weekend, shall we? I like to start the show with a tutorial of sorts, one to make you the best cook you know. And when I think of Easter ham or a Passover Mediterranean chicken dish that my mom and I love to make for the Passover holiday, I think of creamy Parmesan polenta. And it sounds pretty scrumptious right about now, warm and comforting and creamy and buttery, Because good polenta makes me swoon. Now, please don't get me wrong. I love polenta's American cousin, Grits. But polenta's like wrapping yourself in a blanket. And we could all use a little bit of that right now, don't you think? Uh, If you give me a pot with a spoon of polenta, I melt. I mean, it's just so good. But it's about time you forgot all the things you've heard about polenta that have maybe left you intimidated or thinking you'd rather have a different side dish. I want to assure you my method could not be easier. Now, it requires a little bit of attention, but not more than, say, steel-cut oatmeal. It's all about the ratio of liquid, whether it's water, milk, or stock, to polenta or cornmeal and the cooking time. And once you make it, I promise you want to make a whole lot more of it. Now, I was thinking about polenta because I did a pantry piece live on television from my home kitchen as like you, I am safer at home. 
And I was going through my pantry and discussing, you know, multiple usages for uh, ingredients there. And I came across a box of cornmeal. Well, polenta is so versatile. You can serve it for just about everything and anything. Uh, You could serve it for breakfast if you wanted. Uh, You could make it at lunchtime and then uh, pour it into a glass or a casserole dish and cut it into pieces and fry it for dinner. I mean, the opportunities are endless and it's a really inexpensive ingredient that you can run with. So I think it's rather apropos to talk polenta right about now. When I make creamy Parmesan polenta, I, I do sort of, you know, up the ante. I like to saute wild mushrooms and I serve it on a wooden board, family style. It's very like communal dining. I love the experience of it. I serve a creamy polenta with a Sunday roast chicken and a lemony pan sauce. And it is the ultimate Sunday supper. And again, any leftovers, grilled or fried polenta, I mean, why not make a batch, right? So in short, it's a, a porridge. It's very commonly made in Northern Italy. It's often eaten with a ragu or uh, some pungent cheese like gorgonzola. And long before corn was brought from the Americas to Europe, polenta was already a staple food. It just wasn't made from corn, obviously. It comes from the word itself, the Latin for pearled grain. And it was a gruel that dates back to Roman times, in fact. Today, it is no longer associated with any other grains, just corn and You can find uh, Italian fine ground polenta in your gourmet supermarket. Uh, Buy the fancy stuff if you like, but any medium ground cornmeal will do. And a lot of stores do sell quick or instant polenta, mind you. It's made from very fine grind and it's almost processed into a flour. And I will tell you, uh, I, I don't particularly care for it. And uh, I think you're better off making it, you know, from scratch uh, with a glass of Chardonnay in hand. So what is important when you're making polenta? Well, the biggest decision is really what type of liquid you're going to use. If you have milk, you get incredibly rich, creamy polenta. If you have chicken stock, it's definitely more flavorful than water. But if you have no other choice, then you'll add in some cheese and salts and pepper and fresh herbs from the garden. Use water and you'll still get a perfectly good polenta. I like a a creamy, rich polenta. And I think the milk makes the corn flavor shine through. So I tend to go um, with milk most often. Now, here's the thing. You want to use the proper ratio to guarantee perfect polenta. And this is my masterful technique. You should use a ratio of four parts liquid to one part polenta by volume. The problem with using less liquid is that you invariably fail to hydrate the cornmeal. And it might cook quicker if you use less liquid, but you get little bits of dried corn and I don't like that unpleasant crunch. So once again, you know, too little liquid makes polenta that's gritty. I say four parts of liquid to one part of polenta by volume. Here's the other thing. I say it takes about 
20 minutes or so to cook. You will find recipes that say you can make it in five minutes flat and those that will cook for up to an hour, but that seems excessive to me. And you don't actually have to stir the polenta constantly, by the way. A stir here and there to keep it from sticking to the bottom of the pot is really enough. And then when it's cooked through, again, I mean, you're talking liquid and cornmeal, salt and pepper. That's it. I like to stir in butter and Parmesan cheese. Sometimes I'll add in mascarpone and voila, it's ready. Now, I do it on top of the stove, of course. Uh, And then whether it's mushrooms or a lamb shank or garlicky shrimp over top, it is so good. And I do like to refrigerate the leftover and then I fry polenta squares and I put a little bit of tomato jam and crumbled gorgonzola on top and I serve it as an hors d'oeuvre with a cocktail the next night. Oh yes, that will make you a culinary hero for sure. So if you'd like to master polenta while you're safer at home and create glorious recipes in your own kitchen, start with my basic method and build from there. I will send you my polenta tutorial as the bonus recipe this week. Just email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. You can do good work too during this time, by the way. I have friends who were having pizzas delivered to the ER staff at a hospital. Uh, My girlfriend is sewing masks with her kids to distribute to the neighbors and friends. There are so many wonderful things like you heard Gail Gand on this show offering porch pickups where she's putting, you know, orange cake outside her door and calling a neighbor to come pick it up. I think I'd like to live next door to pastry chef extraordinaire Gail Gand. Uh, But this is really a time to band together. So make a big batch of polenta and share it, will you? But don't touch your dial. Don't run to the kitchen just yet. Because coming up, we are sharing some really conscious ways to be a better eater. Sophie Egan is here. And you're going to want to hear her really genius advice before the end of the hour as well we are going on retreat to costa rica well virtually to feed your mind body and soul so don't touch your dial i'm chef jamie gwen in your radio and there is lots more delicious conversation right after this Gain culinary intelligence right here, right now. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. So we're learning how to be more conscious eaters. Thanks to author and expert Sophie Egan. Is organic really worth it? Are eggs okay to eat? What about farmed salmon or milk or gluten or almond and the like? Sophie Egan is a New York Times health section contributor and the owner of Full Table Solutions, which has galvanized a national movement to help us make 
healthier choices and sustainable food choices, in fact. Her new book has just released, and there couldn't be more opportune timing. It's entitled How to Be a Conscious Eater, Making Food Choices That Are Good for You, Others, and the Planet. And so in this time of high stress and conscious eating, I am delighted that Sophie is gracing this show, and I'm very glad to have you back, Sophie. Congratulations on the book. I hope you are well and healthy. Thank you so much for having me, and yes. same to you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, before we dig deep into uh, wild seafood and the truth about sell-by dates, by the way, the book is a brilliant read. Uh, it has um, filled my time uh, at home, I will tell you, and it's been so full of learning, so thank you. Absolutely. Yes. Glad to be a resource now, especially. Uh, don't, no doubt. Um, let's start with a term that I think you've coined so well. You call it Corona conscious, right? And we have to be Corona conscious today. So if you would uh, talk about the most important facets of how we can eat consciously during this time. Definitely. So the book is all about making food choices that are good for you, others, and the planet. And those three lenses are aimed to be a mental checklist that is really evergreen. It's a, a kind of a, a guiding compass for food choices throughout your lifetime. But as the world evolves, as your life circumstances evolve, you have children, you move cities, you whatever it is around you, your environment changes, the hierarchy, the shifts, the criteria that you're, you're looking for, your values may shift as well. Hmm. Also, new elements of transparency in the in food supply uh, will also come to light. And as that greater awareness comes forward, so too may uh, some of the factors that you're choosing to support or not uh, through your through voting through your 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 grocery basket and your food choices, um, those will evolve as well. And so now during the time of the, of the pandemic and corona, coronavirus, when I talk about corona conscious, I'm aware that for many of us, aspects such as reusability and the emphasis on zero waste and, uh, and environmental considerations may be taking a backseat to mm. our own health. Now, no there's doubt. lots of ways we can align those. They're not opposed to one another. But all of a sudden, single use may seem like a safer choice. So I understand that uh, for many of us, we're really more focused on our own health and, and really have to be uh, the, the first responders of our own well-being. So when it comes to taking care of ourselves through food, there are lots of things we can do to stock a healthy pantry, to keep our immune systems up, um, and then also to think about others. In, in the book, I describe others as the animals and people affected from farm to fork throughout the entire uh, food system that enable us to enjoy food. And the hmm. others right now who I think are particularly top of mind for folks are chefs and restaurant and food service workers, as well as farmers affected by the shelter in place and everything that's occurring with the coronavirus. Yes. And to that, I have to tell you, I had a chef friend call me to check in and he sort of jokingly threw it out there, but he said, have you been to the grocery store? I said, yes, I've been to Ralph's. You know, they're, re they're trying to restock. I went in the morning. I'm feeding my family, my mom, so on and so forth. He said to me, don't you think this would be a great time to become a vegetarian? Have you seen the produce section? <laughs> and I laughed, but, you know, it was really, I, I thought, a very novel thought and, and a very conscious thought. And then I started reading your book. And the truth is, the produce section is bountiful right now. And we do have to be mindful. I was mindful uh, this morning. I pulled out ingredients to make a healthy pot of chili, Sophie. And the black beans that I bought were 
we're not the usual low sodium version that I like to buy, right? Because we're limited today. And so I started thinking, okay, I'm going to give them a soak or an extra few rinses. But I, I really think that that conscious mentality is what you talk about every day and what we need to be especially mindful of now. Definitely. And and I, I think you're right. There, there are some new constraints being layered over. As well as new priorities, there's also new constraints, right? Um, I think what you mentioned too with your your chef friend, though, is that hopefully there are some, some silver linings, some new opportunities this is bringing forward. Mm-hmm. For example, the chance to perhaps purchase foods that um, you know, maybe there is maybe the produce is at a, a lower cost right now because it's not flying off shelves the way that maybe the canned beans are. Um, and it's also prompting many of us to learn to cook in, in when we perhaps were used to being able to just eat, at, eat out three times a day. Sure. Uh, that could in turn elevate some of these humble ingredients like beans, like whole grains, a tub of oats that can feed a family uh, very affordably. And guess what? Those happen to be the foods that are best for us and best for the planet. Yeah, so speaking of what's best for us, what are you eating to boost your immune system right now as you are corona conscious? Well, so many of us, I think, you know, there's 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 the immune system and, and also wanting to think about our whole self. So I'm certainly drinking tea, looking for soups, comfort foods, but not junk comfort foods. Comfort foods that are also... Uh, sort of from a nutrition standpoint, known to help our immune system. What are those? By and large, they're the things that are healthy for us outside of corona time, mm-hmm. namely produce. Yes. <laughs> produce is eating, eating the rainbow is full of vitamins and also antioxidants, which can really help our, our immune systems and, and keep inflammation at bay. So, you know, we know that citrus, oranges are great sources of vitamin C, but lots of fruits and vegetables, bell peppers, for example, a variety of colorful um, produce items have, have lots of, of great um, nutrients and vitamins. And another way that I'm looking about this is gut health. There's some ties between uh, gut health, the, the healthy, good bacteria that make up um, our, the, the, the microbial communities in our digestive system. Yes. And the ways to keep those really thriving are fiber-rich foods, which are produce, but also legumes, whole grains, and so forth. Uh, and then also fermented foods, kimchi, um, kefir, yogurt, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those are great op- uh, ways to to ensure that your microbial community is alive and well. And so we will all read cover to cover, How to Be a Conscious Eater, <laughs> the new book release from Sophie Egan, E-G-A-N. Making food choices that are good for you, others, and the planet is what it is all about. It is an extraordinarily extensive practical guide that is a wonderful read. It gives you bottom line answers to your most top of mind questions about what to eat. And there was never a better time than now to be a conscious eater. As Sophie says, it's not about diets or fads or hard and fast rules. It is about being on Armed with the facts to navigate the hype, the marketing, the misinformation, so that you can make food choices that you feel good about for you and your family. The book entitled How to Be a Conscious Eater. Um, and Sophie, I'm very grateful for your knowledge, for your brilliance, for sharing your passion. Thank you for bringing us thoughtfulness in a, a time of um, stress and, and craziness. Uh, and congratulations on the new book. You have an open invitation here anytime to dish. Thank you so much. Yes. I'd be honored to, to return uh, well, and, thank and you. really wishing you the very best health. Thank you very much. You can keep up uh, with Sophie's continued uh, knowledge, lessons, and research uh, by following her on Twitter at Sophie Egan 
M as in Mary and online at sophieegan.com. There is lots more to fill your plate and feed your soul right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, going way beyond mere eating and drinking. We're on a mission to find the most exciting places, new experiences, and emerging trends. And this next conversation is guaranteed to feed your soul. In the Costa Rican rainforest, there is a world-class, nature-inspired, holistic healing oasis that will nourish and renew your mind, body, and soul. The Retreat Costa Rica is the innovation of celebrity chef and best-selling author, health and wellness coach, Diana Stobo. Her goal was to create a transformational wellness center that has become a distinctive experience. It's heaven on earth, and I can't wait to go. A resort and a spa where you experience harmony of nature and nutrition and wellness nestled among the lush vegetation of the rainforest. I've had the opportunity to visit Costa Rica, and it was an extraordinary experience, and I can only imagine what this wellness center brings to your soul. Diana is the award-winning author of Get Naked Fast and creator of the Naked Challenge Detox Program. She's all about anti-inflammatory, probiotics, and moving the body, empowering others. And she is here to dish on wellness. And I'm very glad to have you, Diana. Welcome. Hi, thanks, Amy. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, okay, can you give us, take us there. Can you give us a, a visual image of the retreat Costa Rica, 50 acres, right, of just absolute beauty. Well, it's down this steep driveway, and then you land in this white heaven. It's like being placed in heaven, literally. <laughs> um, certain times of year, the clouds come in at, mm. at certain times of day, and it looks like you're floating in, on, in heaven. Um, everything's done white and pure, simple, clean colors, so you Beautiful. feel like you're free. I always say it's like a blank canvas. You can paint your world however you like it. Sure. And of course, you, you can see all of the coast and the mountain range, coffee plantations. Mm. It's, it's situated on a crystal mountain, and it's just magical. I can tell you from my experience in Costa Rica, which was very food-driven, although um, I did repel 50 feet from zip lining. <laughs> You'd have been very proud of me. Um, and I loved the butterfly farm. But there is a peacefulness to Costa Rica. And I know... In all of our travels, um, much of them gastronomic-focused, there is an interesting dichotomy in Costa Rica where you think you're going to the jungle to, you know, rough and tough it, and then there is this extraordinary uh, alternative approach where you have honed in on the wellness and the, the lush surroundings that bring you a, a different experience. Yeah, well, you know, Costa Rica doesn't have an army. And it's, mm. um, their, their whole lifestyle is pura vida, pure life, living simply. And I couldn't have thought of a better place to place wellness, which is take away all the things that weigh us down and put yourself in a place where it's pura vida. And with pura vida, you think about eating live foods and, and engaging in nature and, and breathing the fresh air and looking at the animals. So 
um, this place was calling me. Hmm. I could imagine yeah. so. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the wellness approach you take, your philosophy, because well, you, you live this life. Well, you know, I'm a trained French chef, and everything yes. was about sauces and butters and creams and breads, and I'm not negating those at all because I still eat them and love them tremendously, but when I was really not a healthy person, I started to look at the foods that were weighing me down, the ones that we overdo and we should probably take a look at. And mm-hmm. I think the world has kind of taken a look at them anyway right now. Uh, and, and I started to eliminate them. No dairy, no wheat, no sugar, no meat, no caffeine, no alcohol. And when I say that, it's knowing the no's, knowing the ones that weigh you down. And I ended up writing a book about that and creating recipes about that. So when I opened the retreat, the idea was to have anti-inflammatory foods, anti-inflammatory foods, foods that don't cause your body to weigh down and minimizing them, getting rid of um, you know, the heavy, the heavy butters. And we still use ghee. We still use goat yogurts. Uh, we make fresh cashew breads. Um, we just eliminated some of the heavier things. So when people come to eat there, the food, as fantastic as it is, doesn't have anything in there that's going to weigh you down. And that was the whole food philosophy and the wellness. And I think that the rules, and, and I say rules, and I, I should say the uh, directive that you feed by at the retreat Costa Rica is very much uh, applicable to life for those that want to take that approach. Um, I'm so delighted to welcome you because we can apply this to our daily lives. So you keep a grain-free, dairy-free kitchen with no refined sweeteners. And I think, you know, even if I believe in everything in moderation, even if you choose to eat that way, most of the time, there is still room for birthday cake. There should always be room for birthday cake. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, But it's really it's it's a mindset. It's turning your mind around to find alternatives, substitutions. Uh, There is so much opportunity to make good change with ingredients, as you and I know, as chefs today in the food world. So let's oh, start, yeah. let's start with a cocktail, shall we, Diana? Cause it's never too early. Please. You know, <laughs> you, you make something called rock tails, R-A-W-K tails, right? They are raw cocktails and this can raw be applied cocktails. to anyone's home bar. Exactly. The first one I, I want to talk about is a Bloody Mary. You know, we automatically use our mixers or we make them from cans. But instead, what we do is we make basically a tomato smoothie. <laughs> and Love once it. you have your smoothie, then you add your vodka. So you're actually having a, we, we call it a raw soup when it's, it, when it's savory. Yes. And then you add your tequila for a Maria or you add your vodka for that, for a bl- Bloody Mary. Um, but you can do that with any drink. Really uh, smart. Infusing it, not just infusing it with fresh fruits, but blending and hand muddling fresh herbs. Sure. I love to go into the garden and hand muddle the tarragon. Tarragon makes a wonderful cocktail. Mm. Basils and or yes. oregano's even. We have an oregano pineapple one that shocking flavors together. Really, oregano is so hard. It's not my favorite, but with pineapple, it sweetens up the bitterness and it's amazing. Hmm. So, infusing high-intensity, high-nutritional items into what we already know to be, you know, a little toxic. Sure. So you're creating balance in your drink, but you're enjoying it, and you're also getting balance in your body. See. Because for every Smart. Um, acidic thing you input, you want to put something that's alkaline. So we're just mixing them together in our cocktails. 
Yes. And so that balance gives your body a, a bit of a reprieve, but you're still sitting down to enjoy a cocktail, to savor the oh, time yeah. and the experience of it. I think I would like to pair my Bloody Mary rocktail with a vegan crab cake. So you make, you make, and thank you for sharing the recipe, and we will gladly share them, by the way. You can email Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com, because Diana Stobo of The Retreat Costa Rica has shared uh, her recipes that, trust me, you want. Um, this vegan crab cake is made from hearts of palm as the base. And I will tell you, Diana, one of the most uh, memorable experiences of my time in Costa Rica was eating a true, real, fresh heart of palm. There was a roadside stand that we stopped at for a snack, and I will never forget that taste. Yeah, I was walking through the hmm. forest, um, and somebody pulled open a palm and reached in and pulled it out. It was like this big, long strand. And I thought, what's that? It's a palm, and I said, well, duh, that's where it comes from. <laughs> but what's amazing is it's tender, just like when you eat it, um, it just doesn't have that citric acid that, of course, we're so used to getting it in, in a can. Right, the pickling um, but it, of but it sorts. Does, yeah, but it does have a pre-pickled flavor. It has a lot of flavor in itself. And it's so delicious. And the textural component of it. So you make a vegan crab cake with hearts of palm as the base, and it's blended with chickpeas and almond flour. Yes. Really yes. smart. And, you know, nothing's more wonderful. Well, then you, of course, add the Old Bay seasoning, which, you know, means crab to a lot of people. So yes. On, on the East Coast. You know, some mustard, some dried dill. You give it all the flavors that you want. But what's so important is we use the cassava flour, which is not a grain. That's from yucca. And when you fry it, you get that really crispy exterior Mm. and that tender inside. And the tender inside is, of course, the hearts of palm. Yes. But I'm a tartar sauce freak, like (laughs) tartar sauce freak. I didn't know that about you. Really? (laughs) Like, I got to, like, if I have salmon, I'm going to smother that thing. But I home make all my tartar sauce. I mean, I've, it's got to be really good. So the, the cashew tartar sauce, which just cashews and water, and of course, anything else that you would put in your favorite tartar sauce is what sure, I Sure, lots of lemon and zest and lemon juice for me, please. Yeah. Really bright. Exactly. Yes. And I like I like the cornichons with the, the sweet pickles and mm. papers together. So I like yes. the chunky. I'll even slice onion in it. And you dip that with your vegan crab cake, and it's heaven. Oh, so mm. good. Okay. Especially when it's crunchy. You know, that crunch is super important to me. Yes, I like the, the textural dichotomy as well. Um, Diana, if you'd please pause there. I love your beautiful, calm nature. We'll take a quick break when we come back. More to nourish your body and soul. A virtual tour and retreat in Costa Rica. More right after this. back and we're dishing on the luxury wellness boutique resort that offers all this wonderful wellness 
And what could be better at a time than right now to take a virtual tour? Diana Stobo is here. Let's talk about your lasagna. This is lots of delicious inspiration. Moving from cashews to pecans. You soak the pecans. Why pecans in a lasagna? Pecans because they tend to be ten- tend to be tender. That's an interesting. Yes, they tend to be tender. Is true. They it's they a soft nut. Yes, but you can also use walnuts. Almonds are too rough. Okay. Uh, but you want that tenderness so that when you actually cook it, they, you know, nuts coagulate when you cook them, right? Right. So you're taking the, the pecans and the walnuts, and you can mix them together. And then when you cook them, they bind in a way that tastes just like ground beef. <laughs> so we, yeah, so when we saute those with onions and tomatoes and all the herbs and seasoning, we make this amazing bolognese sauce. And then we just layer it with mm. uh, zucchini and carrots and either a cashew cheese or a goat cheese. I'm, you know, I'm a goat cheese freak along with the tartar sauce. It sounds like I like everything white. Yeah, yes, it does. <laughs> and you're at your white retreat. Um, why, why goat cheese? Uh, you're, you're a goat cheese fan, of course, but do you find that of all the cheeses, because we talk to a lot of experts and doctors and uh, coaches like yourself that are committed to wellness on this show, um, goat cheese is often the only suggested cheese in a diet of... Uh, feeding your soul because goat milk has an enzyme that is equal to the humans Hmm. and so we're actually able to digest it a lot easier than cow's milk interesting The problem is goat milk is so uh, gamey that a lot of people can't stomach it they're so used to the cow's milk so they've switched to almond milk which tends to be more sweet yes and i like both but i happen to be a goat cheese lover too so if you want to crumble goat cheese all day long i'm in Yeah. There's never enough goat cheese. I'm all for it. And then um, leave us with a dessert. You do low sugar, dairy free, grain free. Use coconut sugar and agave when necessary. Talk about monk fruit, please. Well, monk fruit has no glycemic level at all. Right. It's basically sugar free. And it's. It's a little trickier to work with because it doesn't, it has a little bit, you mix it with erythritol, which is a. uh, fruit acid, a sugar acid. I was reading about. about it. Mark our words. Monk fruit is the next big thing. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Well, there's another one out now. I, I'm sorry about my flipping me, but the keto clan is so into it. But I believe it's still a sugar alcohol, which I'm not crazy about. But monk fruit is pure. They mix it with a little bit of erythritol. And so it has a cooling effect. So it is tricky. It mm-hmm. doesn't work for every single food. So that's when the the caramelized coconut sugar comes in. I think I sent you a recipe that you can share, which is a cauliflower creme brulee. Yes. Shocking. Shocking to people because, you know, you steam, steam the cauliflower and you mix it with coconut uh, coconut milk and the coconut sugar. And, and maple syrup, which I love. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which gives it that creamy, delicious, you know, caramelized flavor. We also make it with fresh coffee. So you can do a coffee creme brulee. Oh. There's so many ways to play with it. And then we use collagen or a gargar to uh, stiffen it. Yes, and so you get a creme brulee consistency. Would I know there was cauliflower in it? No. 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 In fact, people Hmm. are blown away. Oh, I can't wait to make it. That's the best part about when people eat the food (laughs) is they they taste it like, oh my God, what is this? I can't wait to have more. And that's cauliflower. And they're like, what? And that, that the look on their face and then that really wakes them up. Talk about inspiration. That's what really wakes them up when they think, I never thought of using cauliflower in a sweet way. 
I think you are doing glorious things and uh, kudos to you on um, following your your dreams and your passion and to continued success. Um, You really are um, making uh, bodies better, I'd like to say. And what an extraordinary opportunity to live well, no doubt. Um, Plan a trip and I'll meet you there. The Costa (laughs) the Costa Rican (laughs) retreat. It's called the Retreat Costa Rica. The innovation of celebrity chef and health and wellness life coach, Diana Stobo. If you want to up your gratitude game, let me tell you, this is the place to go. Uh, With 13 unique, elegant rooms, a beautiful luxury resort, a full spa, two restaurants, which is where you will find me, um, all located just uh, in the beautiful heart of the glorious uh, landscape of Costa Rica, a 50-acre quartz mountain, sprawling, stunning view of just an experience that cannot be beat. And you will find Diana there and she will feed your soul, no doubt. You can learn more at theretreatcostarica.com. You can follow at the Retreat Costa Rica because there's so much to learn in traveling the world, whether you go there virtually or in real life. We are taking and heeding the advice of experts to better our souls. And Diana, you've done that today. So thank you. It was a pleasure to have you on the radio. And I do hope to see you soon in Costa Rica. Thanks, Jamie. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration. I do hope that I fed your soul, that you found some time to sit down, relax, listen, take a deep breath, center yourself and plan for your next meal, of course. That's what I find myself doing safer at home. At breakfast, we talk about lunch. At lunch, we talk about dinner. Welcome to my life. I hope you'll tune in every weekend as there's lots more fabulous food coming up in your radio, keeping the conversation current. But I'll leave you with my last bite before you go. I recently released my new e-cookbook, entirely entirely electronic, rather, so you can take me with you to the grocery store and shop uh, during, you know, normal times, and then you could put me in your kitchen on your tablet, and we can cook together, and it's all about lean and clean recipes. You can check it out at chefjamie.kitchen. But I wanted to share a healthy apple crisp recipe highlighted in the book because I thought you might just have these ingredients at home right now. It's three ingredients, a super easy go-to dessert. Uh, It's perfect for after dinner and then it's great for breakfast the next morning. So you need a few apples. Maybe they're, you know, slightly bruised in your fridge. That's okay. You'll get away with it. And then you need some kind of nut butter or fruit butter, apple butter, pumpkin butter, nut butter will do. You toss the apples with the nut butter. You place them in a baking pan and then you top them with the ultimate crunch grape nut cereal. I was raised on grape nuts. They bake up beautifully if you've never tried. And I just bake the crisp until the apples are tender and it's bubbly and delicious. And I will say, it's a great go-to three-ingredient recipe. I'll post it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I will meet you here next weekend for sure. A very happy Easter and happy Passover. I thank you for listening. I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 